listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. You know, we live in a day and time where we are faced with more information more quickly than any other time in history. In fact, I was thinking about how quick things move even today. That Thinking back years ago, if you wanted to send a letter, you know, you paid some dude to get on a horse and run through the town and screaming out the letter, the, uh, whatever you need the information, you need them to know. Or you would sit down and you would write a letter, you would take it into town, buy some postage, you'd wait for a stagecoach to come by, grab the mail, take it to the next city, and information just really moved really slowly. But today, I mean, information moves at the speed of light, it seems. In fact, kids, you don't know what this is like, but if you wanted to talk to your friend, uh, you had this thing called a phone. It looks a little different than what you had now, but you had to wait until your parents were done, and then you could use the phone to call your friend. But now we live in this day and age where, man, we can receive so much information at the speed of light and we can give it out. And it creates this whirlwind and it creates this question that we all faced is, I mean, how do we know if something is true? I mean, how do we honestly know if something is true? And I think that's what John is writing about today. In fact, we uh, just look at this last week with all the information and go, what is true? And it's sometimes so hard to tell. But sometimes we go through this process and we accept information and we reject it. And sometimes we receive information, we accept it as true just because it's something that we've always heard. I always heard Napoleon was a short guy. Then I got to looking it up and he said he was 5'6". To a 5'8 guy, that's not short. In fact, he says, the, the reporter said that he was average height for a Frenchman. And so he wasn't actually that short. You know, I'd swallow my gum and my mom would tell me, you know that's going to live in your stomach for seven years. I would go, mom, that's not true. Doctors tell me it just passes right on. So it doesn't just sit in your stomach. Sometimes information comes to us and we evaluate just on circumstances. We look at experiences and we go, well, this is true or that's not true. I'd always heard, you know, be careful not to give your kids too much sugar because it makes them what? Hyper. Not true. Now, I know you disagree on that because you have experiences. You got, no, I fed my kid all the sugar and you just wouldn't believe what happened. But we evaluate things by experience. But then we also use logic. That something is true or false just because of the way that it sounds and the way it reconciles with us. But sometimes, I think a lot of times, it is so difficult to really determine what is true and what is not. But for me, I think this is the biggest factor that I do. I easily accept information as true when it lines up with what I value, uh, what I, I love, and what I think is important. When information lines up with that, and we talked, what, two weeks ago about just our value systems, and when it lines up with that, I, I easily accept it as truth. But if something doesn't line up with what I love or what I value or what I deem important, then I really easily reject it 
as something that is false. And so today, John is going to shout a warning about the idea of false prophets. And we saw this even from week one. He, uh, false teachers have come into the church, the Gnostics, and they're teaching this idea of secret knowledge. And salvation only comes to those that, it, uh, that have this given secret knowledge that nobody else seems to have. And uh, John is pushing back against these Gnostics. And so John is going to shout a warning. But what I noticed studying this week, you know, Jesus even warned people about this. In Matthew 7, he calls false prophets, he calls them wolves in sheep's clothing. In Mark 13, he says false prophets are going to come and they're even going to perform signs of wonder. But Paul even warned. The apostle Paul in Acts 20 said, watch over yourselves and the flock against false teaching. Peter in 2 Peter chapter 2, he tells us that false teaching, false prophets, they're sneaky and they come in and they're very secretive in what they're doing. In fact, Jude, in his book, verses 4 through 19, says they crept in to pervert the truth. And so this is not something that is new and it's not something that is going away. And so John wants the church to know, he wants believers to know to have your eyes wide open, to not get complacent, that we can't just accept something that is true just because someone says it is, or even no matter how convincing they may seem, including me. So what John is going to do today, he is going to give you three tests, three questions to ask when it comes to false teachers. So let's begin back in verse 1 and let's walk through these verses together. Notice this common greeting of beloved, these people that are dear to him. He says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So John is telling us that there are two forces, two spirits at work here. There is the spirit of God in the spirit of the world. And that's going to be very important looking through today. In fact, six times John will say from God or of the world. These two forces, two spirits, two messages. Do you notice what the command is? The command for us as believers is to test the spirits. In fact, that word test, it's a, a process that a person would use to go through to test kind of the genuineness of a certain metal. So I think he's telling us, no matter the message, it may sound great. The person giving it may have all the degrees in the world, many, many titles, super charismatic, a great personality, but the command is always to test. So it's anytime you hear a sermon, you read a book, you hear some speaker, we should not automatically just assume what they say is true. We must test, even on a Sunday morning. Man, everything I say, I, I hope you're, you're listening intently and carefully and, and going through and thinking critically about what I'm saying. So John's going to lay out now test number one. It's in verses two and three. He says, by this you know the Spirit of God. 
Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So John says, the test is this. Do they confess the true Jesus? In fact, he says, notice how carefully he says, do they confess that Jesus has come from God? In fact, John doesn't say, do they just confess there is a Jesus or, or there was a Jesus? But do they confess that Jesus was from God? And that is extremely important to the false teaching that he is up against of the Gnostics. Because remember this way back. They had this belief that all matter was evil, but the spirit was good. Therefore, if that is true, according to our conclusion, then Jesus Christ, that was God, could not become a man because then his flesh would then corrupt his spirit. That he had to come and the two could not be together. So John is talking about, he's describing the incarnation. Listen, this is a word that we need to understand. It's a bedrock truth of the Christian evangelical faith. So the incarnation is this, that Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, that Jesus is the Son of God, that he was made flesh through the Holy Spirit, making him truly God and truly human, or 100% God and 100% human, possessing both natures that cannot be confused, changed, divided, or separated. That at the same time, Jesus is all God and all man. He doesn't give up any of his divinity to have humanity, but he is also all human. And that is the belief, the doctrine of the incarnation. But he uses the word confess. He says if they do not confess the incarnation. That Jesus is from God. They are a false teacher. But he uses carefully that word confess. Meaning not just that they say it. Even as convincing as they may seem. Because I don't know if you realize it. But people can lie. And anybody can do that. So confess. He it's a word that is describing this, this heartfelt conviction that something is true. That when someone truly believes something, you will see it in how they talk, in how they think, in, in what they do. That it is this heartfelt reverence, a conviction, a submission to that is true. So a guy that's a Green Egg fan, if he really believes that, you would never see him cooking on a Traeger grill. You know, he wouldn't do that. So he says this, are they committed to it? Are they confessing the true Jesus? Because there are people around us. There are religions around us, around the world that deny this. The Mormon faith denies the incarnation of Jesus. Jehovah Witnesses deny the incarnation of Jesus. Islam, it denies the incarnation of of Jesus. In fact, one of the, I, w I would say moving, and I don't know if that's the best way to describe this, was uh, Marla and I were touring in Israel. And we uh, came to Jerusalem on our last few days. And uh, there on the Temple Mount, where the Solomon's Temple once 
was that there is a mosque. And uh, you've probably heard of the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall. And that's where uh, Jews go. It's the closest they can get to the Temple Mount today. So they go there to offer prayers. So here is this um, mosque, symbol of Islam, in uh, many the Jews, uh, the eyes of the Jews, the most sacred place that they have, the temple. And inside this mosque, painted around the rim of the temple, it says, God has no son. And so it's a religion that denies the incarnation. So John says, beware test. If they do not believe in the whole truth of Jesus coming in the flesh, then they are, spirit, they are the spirit of the Antichrist. But there's test number two. Begins in verse four. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And so test number two that he gives them is, do they profess or do they possess the divine life? Because as believers, your origin is now from God. He's talking about the new birth. And we saw that several weeks ago. When, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're given a new nature. You will have new values. You'll have new loves, a, a new master. And so far, the believers, the good news is this. He says, you have stood the ground. You have stood strong. You have not given in to the false beliefs. You've not bought in to the message of the false teachers. But I think his warning is, but do not let your guard down. But the reason they stood strong, the reason they've been able to overcome, it's not because they're more intelligent. In fact, that was the Gnostics kind of spiel. Is that's what they felt about themselves. He says, the reason you've been able to withstand is because the Holy Spirit lives in you and that spirit is greater than the spirit of the world or the Antichrist. So the test number two is, does this teacher, do they possess the divine life, a, a Holy Spirit living in them life? But you know what? That's not always easy to tell. Sometimes people are really good at seeming that way. So I think John would tell us, be careful, pay attention, watch those that are teaching or proclaiming truth. And so I wrote myself just some notes that I kind of put on my desk. It was, you know, be careful of new messages. Doesn't mean they can't be true, but, but be careful. Be careful of the next great new speaker. Well, I can remember a time where I almost... Uh, bought in to a guy, man, he was so charismatic. He was so gift, uh, such a gifted communicator, uh, probably one of the best I've ever seen. And man, all of a sudden, I was reading everything he was putting out, watching every video he was doing. But before long, his true character began to show. So be patient, be discerning. Is there evidence of the Spirit living through them and? In them. And so John's given us two tests. Do they confess the true, complete Jesus? Do they possess the divine life? But then there's a third test in verse 5. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. And so Satan and the Antichrist or the spirit 
even of the Antichrist, the false teachers. He says, they are from the world and they speak only from the viewpoint. Their message is the world. But here's why this is so important. But I think it's also so attractive that we like to hear messages. We like to hear news. We like to hear communication that supports what we love, what we value, and what we deem important. We easily listen to those messages and easily accept them as being true when it validates what I value and what I love and what I think is important. So we live in a world that it is so easy to love and value the things that this world has to offer. So the message from this world, I think that is why it's so attractive. That's why it's so inviting. And that's when we become most vulnerable, when we love and we value the things of this world. In fact, I thought of two examples. One is the prosperity gospel. And here's why it is so dangerous and it is so attractive. I mean, who doesn't want to be healthy, wealthy, and wise? Of course I want that. So if there's a message that proclaims that, I want it all the time because it's validating something that I've seen as important and that I love. But there's so many examples in Scripture where we're called to suffer because of Christ. We're called to give things up in order to follow Him. That it's not about being healthy, wealthy, and wise in the eyes of the world. But that message is so attractive. But here's another one. And I I thought long and hard if I should even say this one. Because I've heard it so often even this past week. Um, I hear a lot of it lately. And it's this claim of, but my rights, my rights, my rights. And listen, I love my rights. I love my freedoms. And I value that. But if I begin evaluating that more than I do Christ, because when I read through the Bible, I'm called to lay down my life. I'm called to count everything as lost for the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ. That it isn't about my rights. It's about following Jesus. It's about loving him more than even my personal freedoms. So John says, that should not be us because we are not of the world. That you as a believer are from God. Because look at verse 6. We are from God. Whoever knows him listens to us, listens to the truth. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. But this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Meaning if we truly are from God, we should be drawn more and more to that message as it lines up with scripture. We should listen to our father, it says, and not the world. In fact, I think John would even say that the information or whatever we listen to it really proves where our true identity is so here's John's warning this morning we must test 
every teaching, even the one I'm telling you today, we must test it. We need to discern, is this message from God or is it not? And test number one is, do they confess the true Jesus? Does this message and this person, do they confess, do they believe do they live out the truth that Jesus is the Son of God who came to us that is all God and all man? Do they possess the divine life? Is this person trusting in the greater spirit of God? Are they born again and does the Holy Spirit live in them? And test number three is do they profess divine truth? Does this message and is this person believing and following the whole counsel that we see of God from his Bible? Is this message from the world or is it from God? But I want to ask you real personally before we kind of think about the messages we're hearing. Do you confess and believe in the true Jesus? Are you trusting and living by greater spirit? Are you listening to the right messages? As I think John would tell us that we always need to have our eyes wide open. But the truth for all of us is we will easily accept the information that lines up with what I love and I value and I think is important. And the best thing we can do to not fall into false teaching is make sure of where our true identity is. And so this morning... I, I want us to truly think about these things because, you know, the battle began in John's day. I mean, 30 to 40 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's continuing even today. That we need to constantly have our eyes wide open. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.